Are you all ready to up your drinking game? Absinthe Minded AZ is a pretty freaking amazing and super rare company. Absinthe is truly an acquired taste type of drink. People like Picasso, Hemingway, and Van Gogh were known to throw back a few. I mean, The Raven may have never been written if Edgar Allan Poe wasn't drinking this stuff. Who, by the way, was an artilleryman in the United States Army. Go Redlegs. This misunderstood spirit became legal again in the United States in 2007. And now you can try it for yourself here in AZ. Plus, co-owners Doc Ordovich and Justin Slusher are pretty cool dudes. Absence Minded is produced with 100% natural herbs based off of traditional formulations with variations to accommodate the palates of the modern drinker. Pour, sip, and enjoy. So if you want to find out more about this amazing company, go to their Facebook page or AbsentheMindedAZ.com. And their Instagram page is pretty dope. Um, where are you off to? I'm going to check out Alien Donuts. They are a funky, hip donut concept with planetary beats and out-of-this-world treats. They have vegan, gluten-free, classics, specialty, and space-themed donuts. Yum. What else do they got? They also offer nitro brew coffee, rocket shakes, and freshly made ice cream. And how can I find them, Crystal? Well, they are located in the heart of Old Town Scottsdale on 5th Avenue. You can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, or AlienDonuts.com. Donut, stop believing. What you drinking? My favorite drink ever. Pistachio blended brew with a coffee base and a little extra shot of caffeine from Sweet's Cold Brew Coffee Company. Gotta get ready for that show, Crystal. And did you know that Sweet's Cold Brew is the first and only cold brew coffee shop in the state of Arizona? It's for rad people only. I'm rad. The only thing that would make them better is if they sold beer and wine. Funny you should say that. Just check out their menu at sweetsbrew.com. That's sweets with a Z in the middle. Uh, they also got an awesome Instagram page. Mmm, Catino Sauce Company has the sexiest, hottest, hot... Uh, <clears throat> no, no, that's all wrong. Hold on. Coutinho is the sexiest, hottest, hot, hot sauce. Damn it. That's all wrong. What no. are you doing? Trying to record this ad for Coutinho Sauce Company. Coutinho? You mean the best damn hot sauce on the planet with tons of flavors like jalapeno, habanero, chipotle, verde, and all kinds of others I can't pronounce. They also have amazing limited flavors like mango and blueberry. Yep, that's it. My favorite is Ghost. It makes my butt burn. <laughs> you gotta act fast though, because they're always selling out of that one. Okay. Just visit CatinoSauce.com for more flavors and customized bundles. Also, go ahead and follow them on Instagram and Facebook. My homeboy and CEO of Catino Sauce Company, Jacob, will appreciate that. Sweet Stash is a home-baked business specializing in cake pops, brownies, cakes, and more. Celebrate your special occasions with all of your favorite people. If we're at a party and they have Sweet Stash, I know where Mario will be. Buy the cake pop stand. To place your orders, check them out on Facebook or Instagram. Fallen! All right, all right, everybody take a seat, grab a drink, let's get this show started. Welcome to a brand new season of the Fallen 360 podcast. Man, it feels so good to be back. We have 
amazing episodes. We have some great segments that we've created for you guys. Uh, over the last two years, we recorded 75 episodes. Uh, you can call that season one, if you will, but we took a little break, revamped the show. Um, so we've got some amazing stuff for you. Um, obviously, today is our, our first episode back, and in, in, uh, honestly, this is uh, one of my favorites, if not my favorite uh, of all time, because of the company, the, the show itself, the segment, whatever you want to call it, it just it just flowed. So you guys are in for a great episode today. But before I get into that, let me explain to you guys a little bit uh, of what we've created for you guys. So every Tuesday at 6 a.m., you're going to get a brand new episode of the Fawn 360 podcast. Uh, we have four different segments. So the first uh, Tuesday of every month, you're going to get what we call at that moment. Now, at that moment uh, is, uh, I guess, basically what we do is we take uh, an event that happened in history and we talk about everything around it uh, that happened that year except that event so uh, as you're gonna hear today uh, today is the first uh, week, Tuesday of the month so you're gonna get one uh, at that moment now the second uh, Tuesday of the month is gonna be tales from the guard tower all right so you all remember if you were ever in the military um, or you could compare it to a fireside chat uh, where people just talk about myths and legends and and you know it, it it's 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 uh, everything's up for grabs you know uh and that's what we're gonna do we're gonna sit around uh me and crystal and maybe talk to some uh some other folks um about you know some weird and strange stuff out there and then uh the third tuesday of every month we're gonna uh talk about uh serial killers murderers uh but not only any serial killers or murderers uh, veterans, people that were actually in the military, in the service in, in some way, shape or form. That show is called Dishonorable Mentions. That one, um, I don't know, that one's got a lot of uh, potential to be a, a top hit. Uh, and then the the fourth week of, of every month, we're going to have Motivation Alley, kind of finish off the month with a little uh, motivation for you all. We, we plan on having some uh, amazing guests uh, doing uh, great interviews. Just some people that are doing great stuff in the community. So I'll give you a little hint uh, for this this one uh, in May coming up. We have uh, the creator of um, Private Murphy, Mr. Mark Baker. Um, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, but, you know, I will say this. One of my heroes, you know, one of my favorite comics uh, of all time. So looking forward to that one. All right. What else we got going on? So um, happy Cinco de Mayo. Today is May 5th, so we couldn't do uh, a show on May 5th without a little uh, drinking going on. And so with that, we have the um, gentleman from Absinthe Minded, Mr. Justin and uh, Doc Ordovich, here with us today. And they're going to be uh, talking about uh, the 19th Amendment, uh, women's right to vote. Actually, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about everything else that happened that year, except for the 19th Amendment, but this is going to be, a, like I mentioned earlier, a great show, great episode. Uh, we get uh, a few drinks in us, you know. Uh, if you've never tried Absinthe, you got to try it out. But um, these guys will give you all the details on where you can find them, where you can find their 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 awesome, amazing product as well. Um, something else going on. Tomorrow's my birthday, so happy birthday to me. And of course, Crystal, Crystal, the amazing Crystal is back with us. I don't know uh, what I did, but she came back to uh, this next season and she's my partner in crime. She's stuck with me. So uh, I love you, Crystal. Thanks for, for all the support. 
you guys are in for a treat. Uh, once again, welcome to our brand new season. I hope you guys really enjoy this stuff. I've, I've been working really hard uh, to, to create new content and uh, these segments for you guys. So I really do believe uh, you guys are going to love uh, what's in store. So without further ado, here we go. Three, two, one, and welcome back, Crystal. How are you doing? I'm so excited to be back. I know. We, we took a little break. We revamped uh, the show a little, added a few segments, um, as, you, as you've heard already. But today is the first At That Moment segment. And uh, why don't you explain to the audience a little bit about what, uh, what that is? Well, we're taking each decade and we're going to pick something important, like today um, is the 20s, and we're going to talk about a little bit about women's suffrage and that we got the right to vote, and but then we're going so to... So the 19th Amendment, right? Yeah, the 19th Amendment. Which came out in what, 1920, August 18th? Very good. I don't even have the paper in front of me. I just, I just know <laughs> that. You've been studying. Because so, I care about women's rights. Ah, uh, you get all the points for it. Uh, that's good. But. We waited a long time to get the vote. That's not important. It's not important? Not as important as what women and men were wearing at the time. With the fashion, the toys, and the movies. The pop culture. Nothing is ever more important than the pop culture. That's true. So, well, okay. Maybe equal. All right, maybe. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things we're going to cover is women's fashion. That's important. There you go. Right? Women's so, fashion. <laughs> you got to look right. You got to look good when you're voting. Yes, so, we do look good. Anyways, uh, for today's uh, episode, we actually have a special guest. We have two special guests. Um, and we, we just felt like they fit in uh, to this one for the 1920s for, for many different reasons. Uh, but uh, I'll let them um, explain a little bit what, uh, about what, they, what they're doing, their, their business, and just kind of you know, how they got started. You know? But we've got Justin and Doc O, right, as they call you, um, here in the, in the studio recording. Well, Justin's on the phone, but uh, Doc O is here today, and uh, things are going to get crazy. I can see him over there preparing uh, some of his, um, his supply that he brought with us. So, all right, guys, go, go ahead and let us know a little bit about yourselves. Justin, you can go first. Yeah, sure. Hey, uh, my name's Justin Fulcher, uh, co-founder of Absence Minded, Arizona's uh, first and only absence uh, as of now. Um, yeah, we've uh, we've been working on this for since 2017, I believe. Right? Yeah, yeah that's correct. So 2017 <laughs> is when we started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, although absence was not legal in the 1920s, um, it's, it was certainly fitting and uh, many people around the world were drinking it, even still. Yep, that's right. Yeah, so I guess uh, I'll introduce myself. I'm Dr. Ordovich. Um, I am also the co-founder of Absinthe Minded, Arizona's premier absinthe distillers. Uh, Justin and I, like he said, we've been working on this project since 2017. Um, and we finally released on market December 7th of 2019. And things have been going steady until, you know... The apocalypse happened. So unfortunately, like the hardest hit industries are bars, restaurants, entertainment, and that is a lot of our bread and butter. We're still available in stores now in Arizona, but 
for the time being, things are definitely slowing down a bit, but we're looking forward to the apocalypse ending soon, and uh, we can start kicking things back up. And uh, I guess some of our background, maybe we should talk about that too. Justin and I are both musicians and artists based here in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, we've known each other for about, actually over 17 years now. We used to play music together back in the day when we were teenagers. We, we had a punk rock band that went through several iterations and we played like all the venues in Phoenix and and then uh, I left Arizona. We still play, we still play punk rock. Though. That's true, yeah. We still do play music. <laughs> yeah, we were actually supposed to play a gig on March 28th. It was supposed to be a burlesque event and we were, Justin and I, we're going to do our uh, uh, gypsy punk variation where I, I do accordion and he's on drums and our buddy Mondo on cello. But that fell through the cracks, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so I went to medical school. Uh, and after I graduated in 2016, came back to Phoenix. And that's when Justin and I started working on this project. So this is obviously more important than being a doctor. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it. First of all... Uh, I, Not exactly, I, but... <laughs> It hey, makes more people happy. Yeah, it, <laughs> right. makes, it makes people really happy. And I was going to say, I know uh, times are tough right now, but people, you know, you guys can order this and, and drink this while you're at home. There's no better time. Yeah. Uh, and you have all the excuses in the world now to <laughs> to day drink. Yes. And, you know, your kids are around all day. Yeah. How right. else can you deal with your kids unless if you're inebriated? Exactly. <laughs> that should be your new motto. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know if that's going to fly well. <laughs> Absence minded. Drink just, while your kids are home. It's Justin's motto. He's got two kiddos at the house there. The the green fairy. So the other thing I was going to tell you guys is I love the bottles. I love the, hey, thanks, the artwork as well. I don't know if you guys do it since you said you were artists. Yeah. Yeah. That um, I love the the artwork, and then your your Instagram page and your Facebook page. Obviously, you guys can find them. Absinthe Minded Az. Correct. correct yes, Absinthe Minded. And absinthe is spelled A B S I N T H E, Minded Az. Now, real quick, before we get into the twenties, what made you guys choose Absinthe? Well, uh, Justin and I are both raging alcoholics, and as they say, <laughs> uh, it's it's good to pursue what you love. Yeah. Now, obviously, you guys had a love for absinthe. I mean, because that's rare. Not there's not many people out there that yeah. whiskey. Everyone's like, I love whiskey. I love right. whiskey. There's tons of whiskey companies, right? right? Vodka. People want to make vodka all the right. time. So basic. So basic. It's so basic. You know what it is? I, I think it's the avail. Uh, what they call the availability heuristic. Um, people are more comfortable with things that they see everywhere around them. Yeah. And of course, whiskey is much more prevalent. Uh, gin is more prevalent, vodka is more prevalent, uh, tequila is more prevalent. Unfortunately, absinthe, because it was banned for 95 years, it's a forgotten class of spirit. It just hasn't been around as long as all these other products. Yeah. Um, and the ban Especially was here. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, the ban was lifted in 2007 in the United States. And so it's a pretty new product. Um, so not many people are actually aware that absinthe, A, exists, B, that absinthe is legal, and see that absinthe doesn't actually make you hallucinate, contrary to popular opinion. Right. <laughs> but Justin, why did you want to get into absinthe? Well, to be honest, I don't. I don't know that I had had absinthe, um, and so we started working on the project. Um, that's when I started trying it. Um, but no, it was uh, it was fun. Um, I was working with some people actually doing some moonshine. 
at the time. And uh, he had got back from med school and mentioned absence. And so I said, hey, I know some people who's got a still and right. let's work on it. Well, hey, so, let me, uh, let's, let's, let's do the real story here. So I, uh, <laughs> I, I uh, as an artist, I always wanted to do labels for, I've done like album covers and uh, tattoo commissions, things like that. But I always wanted to do labels for like, you know, alcohol brands. Yeah. And then one day um, I got drunk off of my first bottle of homemade wine. Uh, I learned how to make wine at home. And so as, as I was inebriated pleasantly, so I was going through some of my notes and writings and poetry, and I saw something I'd written that said absent-minded. And I thought, holy shit. Am I allowed to cuss on this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought, holy shit, man. That would be such a cool brand name. And so I texted my buddy, Justin. <laughs> Justin's my best friend. So I was like, texted him right away. I was like, dude, we should learn how to make absinthe, get a still, yeah. and call it absent-minded. And then Justin calls me back immediately. He's like, bro. <laughs> I've got a still that I bought from my dad to make moonshine. We only used it once. And so fast forward, you know, two and a half weeks later, we're learning how to make absinthe. And uh, that was almost three years ago now. Is it hard to make? Uh, it took us about three months of research to and really, development. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it's not. It's it not. Was, it, yeah, there's not a lot of, not like other uh, alcohols out there where you can literally watch like a YouTube video on how to make it. Right. Uh, absinthe is really just uh, trial and error. To figure it out uh, there's almost no information at least in the united states yeah we actually had to base our formulation off the original formulation of pontelier france um that you know we dug and dug and dug and we finally found an old book that was published in england back in like the i think the mid 19th century that talked about distillation of like all different types of alcohols and there was a whole section on absinthe thank god that's kind of what we based our original formulation off of um but yeah we have i still have uh uh, a bottle of our batch number two that kind of tasted like poison <laughs> but it was definitely less poisonous than our first batch our first bat batch was straight up poison <laughs> yeah. well that's the thing with absinthe you know it is a distinguished taste yeah you know it, you you have to know how to prepare it and i see here you've got the 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 equipment yeah. uh, to make it right. And so I'll tell you a quick story how I learned about absinthe. In 2005, um, I was actually deployed to Iraq. Right. And an article came out in Rolling Stones magazine about oh. the, the Green Fairy. That's you know, cool, man. That's the nickname, right? Yeah. So I read up about it, and I was, like, really interested. And I said, I, I heard, because it was still illegal at the time. They said, um, you can order it online. And, and, you know, it's still illegal in the U.S., but there are places you can order it online. So I thought, when mm. I get back to the States, I'm going to do that. I never did, but while I was in Iraq, and I think it's been long enough now I can say this, my buddy actually had somebody ship some absinthe to him. Wow. And now I remember that that, that taste of black licorice, you right. know, whatever. And I, I, of course, because it was Rolling Stones, they talked about how it's, you know, a, a hallucinogen and all that stuff. They call it the Green Fairy because, yeah. you know, you see green fairies. and. Um, did you see any green fairies? I saw nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it was it was no different than than you know um drinking uh, hard liquor yeah that's, right? un that's I mean, unfortunate man so that's it was i know because i really wanted to see green fairies <laughs> you're um, out in the out iraqi <laughs> desert <I know. laughs> geared up and melting you're like tripping balls ready like to go. Green fairies. Ready he's to all go. naked except for his like vest <laughs> yeah. like oh that was a different night. That was a different no. night. <laughs> so, uh, but that's my, that's kind of how I got introduced to it. And then I always like, because along with it, like 
there was always cool artwork right. attached to it for some reason. So that's why always. when I saw this, I was like, first of all, my favorite color is green. So oh, all nice this, to see you're wearing yeah. a green shirt there. So, um, so you know, just your label, the, the dark uh, bottle, the green popping out. I mean, it just looks amazing. Cool, know? man. Thank you. Appreciate um, it. And the same thing with, like I said, your Instagram page. You're just full of a bunch of artwork and everything. So yeah, I love yeah. it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I learned about, about absinthe. And then later on found out they made it legal, you know, and of course it took me over, you know, 12 years before I had it again, which was (laughs) yours down at the white rabbit, (laughs) the white rabbit. Yeah. Shout out to our buddy, Fernando Zalea at the white rabbit. He's been helping us a lot with like promoting us and taking cool photographs and making us cocktails. Awesome photographer too. Never never met him. Just again, seeing his Instagram page full of amazing photographs. Yeah. If anyone's out there listening, uh, shoots to thrill is his Instagram handle and that shoots with a Z. And then the, the white rabbit Instagram is, uh, the, uh, sorry, it's uh, T-W-R-Bar. Just T-W-R-Bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. their Instagram handle. They're I, really I, cool. I couldn't find it, and it's like just the initials. Yeah. So, so they're, uh, they're a speakeasy, Prohibition-era-themed bar here in Gilbert. So I, if you once once the apocalypse is over, uh, make sure to head on over to the White Rabbit and get a cocktail, yeah. a post-apocalyptic cocktail. Yeah, yeah. make sure you sign yeah. up for their... their um, what do you call it their newsletter the so you can get the password because it is like a speakeasy you yeah. need a password to get in so it is the coolest bar yeah i we love it and if you're in gilbert you know about it because everyone's talking about yeah. it yeah. it's so popular but you definitely have to mix the white rabbit and get a drink Heck yeah, yeah. ask for for some uh absinthe minded and yes. they will yeah. make you the best don't even tell them what they will make you yeah what they think you deserve yes <laughs> they will let you know what you deserve so speaking of that's a great intro into the 1920s there you go because we are covering uh the 19th amendment women's mm-hmm. suffrage women's rights but we're not going to talk about that. We're talking Why about what's important. So yes. let me pull up some notes we got right here. Where's that? Do you mind if I fix a drink while we do no, this? No, go, so, go ahead and do that. So while you guys talk, I'll, I'll go ahead and pour we'll us a We'll get drink. this started. So yeah. how much do you know about the 19th uh, Amendment there, Justin? Me? Oh, gosh. Uh, to be honest with you, I wasn't quite sure what the 19th Amendment was <laughs> until I was reading over your notes last night. <laughs> do you, so, uh, are you, do you think little... women deserve to vote? I'm just kidding. That... <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot of trouble here, man. I know. <laughs> Uh, no, but that is, um, that is, that is great. Uh, congratulations, Crystal. Thank uh, you. I know you've been able to vote now for, for a hundred years. It's so nice. A hundred years. I can't believe that in August, it'll be a hundred years. Oh no, June. Sorry, June. Oh wait, let me see. Congress passed the law in June 4th, 1919, and then it actually became, um, it got ratified in August 18th, 1920. So, anyways, that's enough about you girls. Okay. Let's talk about what's important. Don't give us too much time. All right, so what do you know about the fashion in the 1920s? Um, I think of the red lipstick, like the, the speakeasy, I think a black dress, pearls red lipstick and an awesome hat that sounds delicious by the way uh both what you just described and the drink he's pouring (laughs) got some asmr going on over here so (laughs) i'll ask you the same question justin when when you think about 1920s uh fashion what do you think of um i think of money in the bank um (laughs) and i'll tell you why i've uh i've been selling vintage clothes for 
uh, about the last seven years. Oh, no kidding. Um, yeah, so I'm somewhat familiar with the 1920s. I sold, you know, we don't we don't find a lot of that out here um, in Arizona, as we're not that old of a state. Um, however, I have come across uh, quite a few flapper dresses, um, uh, quite a few of those uh, bucket hats. I forget what you call them. Um, oh, but, you I know, think it's a hidden... cloach. Is it a cloak hat? Yeah. Cl- I didn't know how to say that. I, I don't didn't know either. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Trust there's someone me. out there. <laughs> yes. Someone yeah. can correct us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so, th- th- so that's pretty cool that you're into fashion too. So th- this, um, um, obviously this kind of hits close to home for you as well then. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, so, it's, it's yeah, a French, it's a French, it's, it's a French word. It's uh, it would be spelled, uh, pronounced cloche, cloche, oh. Oh, cloche. That's, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> You took he that from me. I was just about to say. I was, I was yeah. just about to say. Aw, thank you. Uh, it's c'est Francaise. Oh, we're getting educated up in here. Parlez-vous uh, français? Uh, je parle un petit peu, mais j'ai besoin beaucoup de pratiquer. Uh, je m'appelle Mario. <laughs> That's all I know. Oh, my, Mario. My, my name is Mario. Je suis Someone took freshman oh. French. Je suis de oh. Mexico. Three oh. years Enchanté, French. Enchanté, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Enchanté, la baguette. Enchanté, la baguette. Do we want to take a second and... Yes, so yeah. Justin, just so you know, and I know you're not here with us, but we just had a little drinky poo uh, of absinthe. Um, so this is our, um, I just poured us the uh, absinthe-minded, the, uh, this is our absinthe-minded vert, which is our uh, mid-shelf absinthe, uh, 80 proof. So it's not a traditional absinthe in terms of its proofing, because generally uh, traditional absinthe is anywhere between like 48 to 73% ABV. This one we produced so that you could either drink it straight, like we're doing right now, or you could just put it in a cocktail. It's a very approachable absinthe, and it's based off of the traditional formulation of Pontellier, France. However, we added some extra botanicals, coriander, chamomile, and spearmint, just to make it mm. sweet, so yeah. you can like drink it. It's not unpleasant. Did you pour that over the sugar cube? No, this no? is just straight. This is straight, straight up. Straight up. That's not, that's not bad. That's, yeah. that's, that's, no, I'm saying, like, not, because it's, it's it, it, normally you have to, you know, well, from the ones I've had, obviously I've, I'm new to this. Uh, pour it over the sugar, right? right? Mix it in with other stuff to right. kind of make it, you know, sweeter. Palatable. But that mix is is pretty good. Yeah, I, thank I, you. So far, I don't know if that's what um, they used at the White Rabbit when mm-hmm. I made my drink or not. But that is, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, they, the they do. Yeah, it was great. So, um, all right, so that's pretty good. We've got fashion in, and you're right. You you've got the the hat, the the. Cloche? Cloche? Cloche. cloche. Oh, no, it would be, be cloche because cloche. there's no accent uh, aigu. Over the E? Yeah, if there's an accent aigu, it would be cloche, but it's cloche. And then those are the little cute hats you see that women wear, and they're kind of like uh, fit right over their head and kind of down. And... and if you were basic, your New Year's Eve party for 2020... This is what you wore? Yes, this With... was... Um, I'm talking about you, Heather. With, <laughs> With the little... Uh... Like, everyone had a 2020 themed yeah. New Year's Eve. While drinking White Claws. Yes. <laughs> yes. You, you don't get more basic than that. <laughs> yeah. How how maddening would it make you if you saw someone pour a little absinthe into a White Claw? Justin, I'm going to allow you to answer this question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, actually, uh, we we kind of coined a drink, uh, the Bohemian West, or the, no, no, no. Or French, the French West, Western. French Western. Yeah, which, in which we do. We do, you know, 1.5 ounce of our, of our beer yeah. added to your favorite uh, flavored white claw. All right, well, it doesn't got, have to be white yeah, claws. It could it. be any of the. What, well, what, yeah, what any. Them? What are they called? The 
Like seltzer. Hard seltzer. Hard seltzer. Yeah. Hard seltzer. Yeah. Yep. Hard seltzer. Yeah. They got your basic covered. Like you yeah. can be cool like we're being right now with the straight up. Or you can be basic. Yeah. Heather. <laughs> and for your 2020 mm-hmm. party. Or you could also add it to Strike Force, which by the way, if you oh. order now, you get 20% off. Just use Fallen360 as your promo code. There you go. Sorry, that's a, that's an energy drink that's sugar-free, no calories. Uh, comes in a pouch. Uh, there's a little pouch you add it to water or anything oh. else. They have tons of different flavors. It's a veteran-owned company. Um, it's Sweet. great and it, it's awesome. So they are always looking for new drink ideas as well because oh, they yeah. you can pour it into beers and, and they would different. love that. So I'm actually gonna talk to them and see. Yeah. Hey, like guys, and maybe we could even set up a, a cool little. I have to order some more of those. I'm out right now. But we'll set up a cool little thing and show them, hey, here's a cool drink. If you know how, a, a cool drink, we can add a little energy pouch oh, to it. Oh, it'd be like a vodka Red Bull. Well, there you go. Better. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Way so, better. With, Are they uh, here in Arizona? No, they're out of Virginia, I believe. So, Sweet. But they, they're nationwide, so you can mm-hmm. order online. Sweet. But anyways, that's Strike Force. Uh, <laughs> so the red lipstick, you mentioned that too, right? I so did. 1920s uh, is also uh, ushered in industrial advances, some of which revolutionized the makeup industry. Oh, we got loud. to vote and we got the makeup. And Jeffree Star would be nowhere if it wasn't for the 1920s. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you only have to kill, you know, a thousand whales to make one. Oh, don't remind us. <laughs> oh, man. Um, hey, beauty comes at a cost, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, they don't use whale blubber anymore, right? Red one has changed it. I think so. Okay. I think they've come a long way, baby. Just, just, I don't know. Oh Red. no, that was cigarettes. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. I think no. Most most makeup um, promote that they are blubber cruel. free. Yeah, blubber free. <laughs> free to um, cruelty to animals. You know what else is blubber free? What? Absence minded. There you go. That does <laughs> that does not contain any whale. There's no, no no blubber. <laughs> we do not test on animals except for. Ourselves. Ourselves. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm going to pour us uh, our, our premium while you guys go ahead and continue on. I know it's uh, only 11, almost 11 in the morning. This is uh, optimal day drinking. You know, there you go. You, if, if, if we're living the apocalypse right now. How else are we going to be able to survive through unless yeah. we're day drunk? How yeah. long before I'm passed out, by the way? <laughs> Well, you're going to be seeing uh, the Green Fairy pretty soon here. Okay. Well, I can't wait for it. You are forewarned. So we covered fashion a little bit. Um, We covered, you know, red lipsticks became popular at that time. Although we wouldn't wouldn't know it because most pictures, all pictures at that time were black and white. So how is there proof that they had red lipstick? Mm, that's a good, good point. You know what I mean? Mm, could Just have saying. Been, it could have been purple. Just saying, I don't, I don't trust it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't trust this. Do, do you think it was all black? It was actually black lipstick? It was black lipstick. According to the pictures. Justin, what'd you say? Oh, I said it was a conspiracy for sure. Definitely a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Once we got the vote, then we just started lying about the color of our lipstick. There you too. go. Yes. <laughs> Women are just, oh. just deceptive. So Katy Perry <laughs> actually came up with that red lipstick. The Katy Perry did. Yep. Is that factual? I kissed a girl. Remember that song? Yes. Unfortunately. And Cher- I liked that's it. Cherry chapstick. That's oh, that's cherry chapstick. That's yeah. not red lipstick. No. Oh, well. So- hey, Katy Perry. By the way, I beat you to it. I kissed a girl before you did. Ooh. Oh, how about that? That we know of. <laughs> that, we know of. <laughs> that we know of. I was drunk at the time, so you know. 
I love this whole setup, by the way, because oh, it's so cool. I'm, um, obviously, as you can see by the, the, the studio here, um, I'm kind of a geardo. I love different stuff. I love yeah. you know, collecting Hi, things you, and all that. Us too, Can man. you explain what you're doing? Okay, so right, right now, um, <clears throat> I'm serving our uh, premium absinthe. It's 140 proof, so we don't recommend you drinking this straight. Okay. Yeah. I see the sugar coat. 70% ABV. Um, also based off of our traditional formulation of Pontellier France. It's got the holy trinity of grand wormwood, fennel seed, and anise seed. Uh, and side note, absinthe isn't absinthe unless it has grand wormwood. Um, grand wormwood is uh, the genus and species name is Artemisia absinthium. So that's where it gets its name from. Um, a lot of people say, oh, absinthe in America isn't real absinthe because it doesn't have real wormwood. That's false. Um, absinthe. And made in America, unless otherwise noted, does contain grand wormwood, mm. which deems it real absinthe. So where did that the that wormwood come from originally? Uh, worm, honestly, is it a Justin, European thing or? It's I think I think so. Justin would be more knowledgeable in that because he's actually uh, growing wormwood. They started growing wormwood at Justin's dad's place in Rio Verde. Justin, you want to talk about that? Oh my gosh, I don't know historically. I mean, I know it's been used for for thousands of years uh medicinally right yeah medicinally and even now uh naturopaths use it primarily for ridding of stomach worms um it's it's a really good parasite killer uh for your stomach and in fact most of the ingredients in our absinthe is good for your stomach and a lot of people i've talked to who switched to absinthe as their drink of choice uh kind of had stomach ailments um and then adapted absinthe as their drink. Well, that's that's another great thing to note, especially right now. I think after all this uh, dies down, what we're going through, people are going to start being more healthy, mm. yeah, know, and making better choices. And so, why not? Probably. <laughs> There's nothing more healthy than drinking absinthe. Hey, listen. I will say the thing is, people aren't going to stop drinking, right? People no, they are, don't. People are not going to stop drinking, so might as well no. go with something that has some type of benefit. I mean, right. here's, here's the thing. People will say drink vodka or tequila or something or whiskey because it has less fat and sugars right. than, than beer, you know? So obviously, right. mm -hmm. you know, people aren't saying stop drinking altogether, right. but you know, if you're going to do this, so why not say, you know what, if absinthe has these different features, let's do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board. I'm game. By the way, if you're hearing a little click, that's his contraption where he's pouring water over ice and it's going down into a little, what I would call a, a teeter-totter. Yeah, device. so these, these, this is called the seesaw dripper. Seesaw, um, there you go. It used to be produced back in the 19th century during like the heyday of absinthe. Um, and they started reproducing these now. You can actually order these online. Actually, we, we sell them too. We, we still haven't posted them on our website yet, but we're going to do that eventually. Um, so yeah, it's cool. Like you, put, you, There's a bell where you put the ice in. Uh, then you pour the water into the bell with the ice, and then it, it drips down, and it, it hits this little tick-tock, teeter-totter. Right now, I think that it's kind of going to bend, so it's not ticking anymore. And then you put the uh, spoon underneath the seesaw dripper with a sugar cube. Sugar was used uh, historically uh, because wormwood is pretty bitter. Yeah. And so the sugar would help kind of mask the bitterness. Definitely, yeah. Just round out the flavors. Um, Others also talk about how sugar was used in bad absence back in the day that were produced with like copper sulfate, uh, uh, oh sorry, um, uh, sorry, I'm a little tipsy from the last drink there. <laughs> <laughs> Antimony trichloride. Those are two uh, 
ingredients that were used in very bad absence oh, okay. back in the 19th century that used to make people sick. So that's where you hear a lot of the stories of people getting really getting Ill, really sick from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, getting neurotoxicity. Uh, that's probably the copper sulfate. Co copper sulfate. Copper uh, does cause neurological damage. Yep. If yeah, you consume yeah. it in high doses, yeah. um, like if you know anything about medicine, like Wilson's disease is a is a copper disease where you have like immense amounts of copper in your system. It's not good. It's uh, neurotoxic. So a lot of that just covered up with sugar, apparently. Yeah, right? so they covered yeah. up with nasty layers <laughs> of sugar. A spoonful of sugar. Oh, that's spoonful. Like you know that. Yeah. <laughs> Makes the medicine go down, man. Yeah. But. Well, either too much salt or too much sugar. That's yeah. that's, there you crystal, go. that's crystal's way. Welcome. Um, tips with crystal. Yeah. I don't so, think ramen takes uh, sugar, <laughs> Crystal. You're not supposed to put sugar in ramen noodles. Stop it. Um, so, you know what? The same thing uh, can be said for tequila. You know, people, because tequila, I think legally, uh, in order for you to call it tequila, it has to have at least 51% agave. And right. so if it doesn't, they, they put in other stuff like... Uh, um, you know, brown sugar and molasses and stuff like that. And that's really why you get the hangover. When you drink mm. shitty tequila, you get the hangover because of all the sugars, molasses, stuff like that. Interesting. For the coloring and the taste. But if you get pure, 100% blue agave tequila, mm -hmm. that shouldn't affect you as much. So, Interesting. Anyways, just a little... Yeah, because uh, have you ever had bacchanada? I have not. Oh, dude. It's hardcore. Apparently, it used to be illegal for a while, and they started legalizing it again. But, uh, yeah, I had some Bacchanara. It tastes like pure gasoline. I always oh love... Oh, my god! Actually, no, it's actually pretty good. Justin had it, right, Justin? I'm sorry. No, I couldn't hear you. Uh, Bacchanara. Remember when you came over to my house that one time and uh, I gave you some of the Bacchanara that this dude gave me? He, like, peddles it from Mexico, from, like, people's, like, farms and stuff. That's hilarious. Well, it must have been good. No, I don't remember it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's always good. No, it's good. That's a similar story with like, have you had absence before? Uh, yeah, I think, but I just don't remember. <laughs> I've, I've been told. I've been told. I've been told I did. So, as we prepare for this next little drink, um, let's move on to the other popular stuff that was going on at the time, were electric trains. Electric trains uh, in the 1920s, or in particular 1920. It had been around for a few years, I believe early 1900s, uh, but in 1920 is when they really hit. Um, there are no real rules to this show, so if it comes close enough to the year of when this event happened, I'm going to so talk about it. We're not historians here. Yes. yes. Take everything we say with a grain of salt. So, and yes, we might be alcoholics. Yes, <laughs> but we're not historians. Um, so yes, while I'm not saying electric trains were invented, in 1920 1920 was really the height of, of electric oh trains popular. it got huge and also you know the um, after World War one everything there was a lot of um, aluminum and stuff kind of left over from people building stuff and for the war and mm. bombs and all that stuff so they had uh, a lot of materials that they could build all these uh, electric trains uh, and electric trains, like those little train sets, they withstood the test of time. Because right. you still, like, is it Christmas if you don't have one? Yeah, but those are probably not from the 1920s. No. Those are probably newer, so yes, just are. saying. Yes, uh, I, I probably got it at Walmart. I do. But I'm saying the idea. Yes, yes. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. Like, you, you know, <laughs> you that that is kind of a classic uh, American uh, Christmas kind of 
um, theme, right? Have the, the little train rolling right. around the Christmas tree and all the people and everything else. So kind of classic Americana style. Mm-hmm. You guys into those kind of toys too? I know you're into oh. like a fashion and stuff, but what about toys? I think Justin's more into that, right? <laughs> well, I have to say I'm pretty I'm pretty partial on uh, the older trains. Uh, to me, the going into the electric trains is sort of a downfall, and maybe some people would hate me, and I'm not a you know train collector or anything. But so, what kind of trains I've are you into? Some, like like coal? Well, the old little yeah, the old <laughs> steam steam trains, or or even in particular, I really like the mechanical trains, like the wind up. Yeah, um, they're just so much more intricate. They're built like freaking tanks yeah you know they're meant to last forever um so are you I just, but, I just love i love the aesthetics i guess yeah so the so 1920 when the electric train became super popular you were like nope i'm not having this right 1920 <laughs> in august i remember <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious oh but that's good that's good because i uh am not that into trains my best friend uh he was super into trains uh, when we were growing up, and so he always had he had a little table that he built into a little town and city and all that stuff, and so that was really cool. But I always wanted to just as an artist, I like the concept of building all that, but I I could never get around to to playing with those things, yeah. you know. But mm-hmm. I I love the concept of of building a little town, a city, and all that, and then then I'd probably get bored and give it away, you know, as I do with a lot of things I co- I collect, you know. Yeah. I like the Make our children. I like, yeah. I like making them. I like making them. And then once they're around for a few years, I'm like, eh, I've had enough. Do your kids do the Thomas train? They did. Because that's kind of the new electric, mm-hmm. new electric train style. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we have yeah. a long range of kids. So the oldest one is 24. And that was when the Thomas the train when you, it was like you had to stock Toys R Us to get the right one. I'm probably dating myself, oh, yeah. but it was like you had to really. Yeah, like, wait, Toys R Us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what, what's that? <laughs> that Listen, that, hey, I just got to vote. That makes me sad because uh, was it a year and a half ago or two years? Yeah, when it went we bankrupt. Had, yeah, when we first started the show, we mm-hmm. one of our first shows we talked about was Toys R Us and Jeffrey the Giraffe being out of a job. So, he was just a trendsetter because now everyone's out of jobs. You're right. <laughs> no, he was ahead of his game. He was. He's like, oh, something bad's coming down. Let's oh, just shut man. it down. I wonder what Jeffrey's up to these days. He's ready for a comeback. Okay, we'll see. Yeah. On, online, he's definitely, Jeffrey. definitely filing for unemployment. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he's uh, at the uh, uh, food bank right now. <laughs> yeah, he's like, hey. All right, so here's the other one, too. <laughs> Oh yeah, real quick. Um, yes. Oh yes. Cheers. Did you guys try this? Yeah, cheers. I, I tried it. I cheated and I tried it. Nice. So this is our premium, 140 proof. Uh, this is as traditional as it gets when it comes to absinthe. Uh, we did roll back a little bit on the wormwood because we didn't want it to be super bitter because wormwood is very bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, it's not as black licorice as some other absinthe out there. I've had some absinthe that are just like, oh dude, it's way too much. This is a little bit more like approachable. This is yeah. really yeah. yeah you can drink this like this is really yeah. I I like it. I like the verte. Mm. You say? Mm-hmm. I like that one better right now, just straight up. Yeah. But this is not bad. Oh, dude, this, this is, is not bad. Favorite. If you want, is we'll it? pour another. So verte. you're you're more of a licorice type or more. I don't know what I am. I just this one is more. I don't yeah. Know, sweeter maybe. 
Yeah. Well, well I, I did the sugar. sugar. I did the sugar oh, cube. Okay. Yeah. So some some people don't like the sugar cube. I personally do. Justin doesn't. And some people like mm. the premium better. Some people like the mid shelf better. I personally like the premium better. Justin likes the mid shelf. I could mm. see this. You know what? With like a like a ton of ice, like super cold. Oh, dude. Yeah. Usually I put ice super in it. Super cold. Yeah. I could see that. Like it's, just chilling on the porch on a hot summer day. Heck yeah. Just dreaming away. It's got a citrus. You know, just the other day, I finally noticed that it does have a citrusy hint. Like it's got gonna, a little bit of like a lemon zest. I was gonna ask, like, would you recommend doing like a orange or lime or just a, a squeeze a, a little bit in there or? I so I have an orange tree I in the do. front yard, and I squeezed out a bunch of orange juice, and I had orinch juice absinthe. Like you would make of like a screwdriver. Yeah. It masked the flavor of absinthe completely. Oh, that uh, sounds delicious. You said you, you, said you yeah, would, Justin? Lemon and, lemon and orange both almost mask it entirely. I would suggest, especially if you're drinking our mid-shelf, like over the rocks, just squeezing a little bit of lime and oh. maybe uh, rubbing the rubbing it around the rim of the glass. Yeah. Uh, just get, just little, to give it that scent and that little, little, little bit of leave in there. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mint. That sounds delicious. Yeah, for a bunch of alcoholics here, man. Yeah. <laughs> just like <laughs> we all got different ideas of what like garnishes and everything. So uh, the other toy that came out, this one's actual, very specific and a lot more popular, uh, which is the Raggedy Andy. Raggedy. I know most of you probably thought Raggedy Ann. Yeah, I was gonna say Raggedy Ann came out a few years prior to that. Raggedy Andy. So, Justin, I don't know if, if you know this or not all, or, or um, Doc O. Do you guys know who Randy is? Or Randy, I'm calling him <laughs> Raggedy no. Andy. Sorry. No, actually, I never heard of uh, so Andy. Andy. I know Randy from Trailer Park Boys. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a different <laughs> yeah. Great show, by the way. Um, yeah. So, he's actually her brother. Mm. I always thought that he was her boyfriend. Or husband or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why as a kid I thought a lot of thought into these. I guys. thought I thought that that any any paired uh, like Barbie Ken Barbie and Ken and you know those type of things they were always like dating or something. So what you're saying is you're into incest? I guess. Oh, yes. I guess. I, I, I had no idea. <laughs> until, all the until, I, until I until I researched this and I was like, oh, that's her brother. But they're always holding oh, hands. Well, you know people. You you can't hold hands. Well, yeah, that's fine. With your siblings? Yeah. Without kissing them? Okay. <laughs> I mean, Justin and I hold hands all the time. Yeah, that's fine. No. It's it's nineteen twenty, guys. <laughs> hey, the times uh, are changing, man. It's modern. If times, we can man. vote, we can. So you guys might know uh, Raggedy Ann, right? Yes. She's probably not probably. She's definitely the right. popular doll, yeah. yes. uh, more so than Andy, yeah. right? But if you didn't know that, like I said, Andy came out in nineteen twenty. Um, Raggedy Ann's doll. Now, Raggedy Ann also gained popularity recently, mm-hmm. but I would say the last few years because of the what's that movie called, The Conjuring? Yes. Uh, now, Annabelle, that or well, Conjuring is where she made the appearance, but then they 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 added some follow-up movies. The movie Annabelle, right, which is the doll that's possessed. Oh uh, yeah. All right, was actually a real doll by um, investigated by the Warrens, right, which was a couple, married mm-hmm. couple. The wife was a psychic, were they and the married or they were married. They were not. Okay, I'm They held hands <laughs> and they kissed. And uh, the Warrens sure. were known as a, um, you know, they were kind of a traveling um, exorcist 
group that the husband, you know, was uh, into the Catholic Church and he performed exorcisms mm. and the, the wife, uh, Elizabeth Warren, or not, I'm sorry, Elizabeth not Warren. Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> Focahontas. Wrong Warren. What, let's yes. call her uh, Mrs. Warren, uh, whatever her face name was. She um, was a psychic, right? And so they went and they, so I don't know if you guys have heard Amityville, the Amityville horror story, right? The actual house was a real house that was haunted. Uh, so they went supposedly and they, you know, took the spirits out of there. They, they've they done a bunch of other... Is this um, real? This is real. Yeah, you can look up I think up they've the, just been drinking aspen. No, no, no. I'm serious. They've look been up, drinking absinthe? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> look, up, look, up, look up the Warrens, right? Yes. Um, I, I, I guess I forget their, their, their first names, so I'm going to mess it up. But the Warrens... Um, they were the ones that investigated all these haunted houses. Very famous, right? And they collected items from each one of those haunts. One of the things they collected was a Raggedy Ann doll yes. um, from one, um, you know, a house that was supposedly haunted. And supposedly it was at the house. It was actually the doll that was possessed by a demon uh, faking that it was possessed by the spirit of a little girl named um, Annabelle. So that's where the name Annabelle comes from. The original doll, in the movie Annabelle, it's a weird-looking doll. The original Annabelle is actually a Raggedy Ann doll. Yes. And there's pictures. So you see on the right right there? Oh. Or, and I don't know if you... Do you have the, the notes I sent you, Justin? So if you... Uh, yeah, I do. I if you look that. on those, mm -hmm. one of them... And you don't have to look at it. You can look it on your phone, too. But if you look at on the right, those two pictures... That's the Warrens with the Raggedy Ann doll in the case in their home. No, so that's the real Warrens. Yeah. That's the real, and that's Warrens the actual there. haunt. And dude, the crucifix in the background. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, wow. it's, it's, it's it's a glass. It's they they keep her locked up in a glass box. Yeah. And they have uh, a crucifix on it, and you know, it says "Do not open" and whatever. So, I mean, obviously, I don't know if you guys are into that kind of stuff, you know, whatever, Just but love it. the supernatural, love but yeah, it. look at, look into the Warrens. So they have a house still, I believe they're both deceased now, but their kids still run their, their museum. Mm -hmm. They, they turned their house into a museum, I believe where they have all of these items still kind of like the Zach, what's his name? Zach Baggins. Zach Baggins. And he borrowed this the doll, right? This doll. To go into the museum. Into the museum. His, Zach Baggins stuff. is the guy from... You Ghost talk Adventures. About, Ghost yeah. Adventures is Take it away. Life. That's what you'd like. I love Ghost Adventures. But, um, so I just love all these things that... The thought is that spooky stuff gets attached to items. So Raggedy Ann coming out from, you know, the 20s, she's now super popular right now. Like all the... The kids nowadays love that, the, the movies brought it back, right? Yeah, the movies really brought it to um, pop culture. In fact, we have one um, in this house that we are always scaring all the family. You guys members. are always placing it in different odd yes. places. So, but yeah, fun fact: Raggedy Andy came out in 1920. No one knows anything about Raggedy Andy. So okay, so Raggedy Andy. Uh, what did Raggedy Andy do that was so nefarious? Did uh, Raggedy Andy actually come to life? No, I, not him. Raggedy Ann. The doll Raggedy was Raggedy Ann. Ann. Oh. But she was possessed by a demon. And that they believe that she was truly possessed by this demon. Um, there's like, what, three movies based on it. Whoa. And, um, well, there's some that she's, she makes appearances like in The Conjuring 1 and 2, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then there's, and I think she's got Annabelle. And then Annabelle, like, Origins. 
Yeah. So, so she's she, in like two movies about her uh, and then two others that she kind of makes appearances at the beginning and the end yeah. of the movies. Because she's like considered one of the most haunted dolls. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. That is so cool. Uh, where can I buy one? I know. Well, we <laughs> got ours at Bookman's. Like me and the 11-year-old girl, Gabby. Yeah. Um, we saw it and we're like, oh. Where did you get it? At Bookman's. It was oh. just in this. And we're like, this is even a movie. Like you walk around this used bookstore and you find Where is it? Doll. It's somewhere in the house? Yeah. Now we just have a, um, oh, yeah. a doll. There um, you go. Where it, it's just it it, 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 it ends up uh, in random places. It's like the joke in our house. We just when your doll ra- actually winds up in random places. Well, we move it. Yeah, oh. we move we it move just it. to scare <laughs> each other. But to the point where we don't know where it's at right now. Yeah, right? we don't. We'll, we'll hide it in a closet, in the kids' closet. We love our kids, but we love scaring them to death. Yes. So it's really, <laughs> really interesting um, how much of a resurgence this doll has gotten. Yeah, man, especially when you're day drinking. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I think I just saw it run across the table. Yeah. No, that was Mario naked. <laughs> that was the green thing. Mario naked. Cheers, sir. No, I think, Cheers, I think you guys can buy uh, cursed dolls or haunted dolls on eBay. Um, oh. <laughs> if that is something you're... It doesn't seem... You are indeed interested in... It doesn't yeah. seem as cool, though, to just buy a haunted doll on eBay. I'd rather just, I don't know. I like how Grandma got cursed well, just by coming across. Well, yeah, they, got, they actually have a story. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, when I go to uh, maybe a newly murdered house <laughs> and take whatever's in there, or buy, you know, if they, it goes on auction, buy the stuff that's in there. What if we sell it on eBay? This is our next big moneymaker. We could sell We're, our doll on eBay? No, like we go to murdered houses and take stuff and then sell them on eBay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can't just take stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is what happens when you give the women the right to vote. They get all up and we yeah. start just taking everything. You start, oh, you, you start thinking you can talk. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, see, this is what, what he's like when he's drunk. <laughs> hey, be careful, man. The PC police are going to come after you. <laughs> This show doesn't have enough followers <laughs> for, for anybody to, to care yet. Yes, we not, not yet, man. We're, not we're, yet. we're in a good stage where maybe ten years from now they'll come back and be like, hopefully, oh, if you we're lost that contract. super yes. popular in ten years, they'll come back and be like, ten years ago, Mario said women should not speak. <laughs> there you go. So taking things straight out of context. <laughs> yes. Hey, Justin, let me ask you this: How much do you know about yeah. Lincoln Logs? Oh, dude, great question. Um, I grew up with Lincoln Logs. I thought the story that I was reading a bit on was fascinating. Um, the Abraham Lincoln's cabin yeah. was like one of the first inspirations and a sale point. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was so cool. They, um, they no, but to... I grew up with Lincoln Logs my whole life, and I can't get my kids into it at all, but I thought they were great. Yeah, I used to have a Lincoln Log set when I was a kid, too. I freaking loved that thing, man. It was so cool. I grew up in Mexico, so I didn't have Lincoln Logs. I just had sticks. Yes. Sticks. <laughs> but when I did and come over the, here... If the rats didn't take them... Yeah, every day I had to, I had to fight the, the animals and the rats for my logs. They should have um, had, like, uh, you know, Emil Zapata logs or, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. They, um... 
But no, I bunch I, of I'm, logs. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I um, as an artist, I think anything creative like that. Same thing with I could say Legos. You know, all those kind of building uh, materials. Um, so the other thing too, they have. Um, what was I going to talk about? Oh, the the creator. Do you know who the creator yeah. was? You want to talk about that, Justin? Well, yeah. I mean, just what I saw was Frank Frank Lloyd Wright's son. And he was inspired inspired by like a Japanese architecture, yeah. um, from his father Frank Lloyd Wright, and that's what that's how he came up with this toy. That's uh, absolutely fascinating. Which is pretty cool because I honestly I didn't know Frank Lloyd Wright was that old. Yeah, because when I saw him, like, if his son <laughs> came up with the idea in 1920 of Lincoln Logs, how old was was Frank Lloyd Wright? When he was born. Uh, yeah, so Frank Lloyd Wright uh, has a lot of history here in Phoenix, yeah. actually. Um, one of his, uh, not, not well, I guess you would call him one of his, like, protégés slash contemporaries, uh, Paulo Soleri. Yeah. Are you familiar with Paulo Soleri? I'm not. Oh, okay. Oh, it's, it's a cool story. Yeah, Paul, I love it. Paulo Soleri was an Italian architect um, who lived here in Phoenix, and he's the one who created uh, Arcosanti which is the experimental city between Phoenix and Flagstaff. It's one hour north of Phoenix. Uh, if you ever get a chance to go, I highly recommend it. And do the tour. Yeah, dude, Arcosanti is super cool. Um, his big concept was arcology, which is where they wanted to reduce the impact on environments and have cities be very like efficient and concentrated so that you would have minimal impact on the surrounding environment. Oh. Well, now considering this current pandemic and apocalypse, <laughs> seems like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good way to, you know, if like a virus were to like, you know, come out, it's uh, you have people living on top of each other. It's a bad idea. But the concept's super cool. It's very, you know, uh, ahead of his time. He had actually a falling away from Frank Lloyd Wright, I think because of his concepts. Like that concept, I don't think it really like flew well with, you know. With the, Frank Lloyd Wright. Right. Yeah. Kind of egocentric, egotistical. But uh, Paulo Soleri's experimental town, Arcasanti, is super cool. They use lots of passive design, uh, lots of uh, renewable res um, uh, resources to actually make their buildings. And he was a pretty eccentric dude to begin with. Uh, he was an artist. Actually, I have like friend, uh, friends from 10 years ago who are like these young, hot, like 19-year-old artist girls who are like, oh yeah, I'm going up to Arcasani. Paul Soler is going to paint me. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, he's going to paint me nude. And this is like a guy who's like 92 years old. <laughs> you know, it's like painting these young chicks nude. So, Mario's like, how can I sign up for that? <laughs> so super eccentric. That's my retirement plan. Um, they, had a, uh, they had a spill uh, in 1972, I believe, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, they did a concert at Arcasanti. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so it was huge. You had hippies coming from all over, the, like, the, you know, like California, New Mexico, whatever. They all came to Arcasanti to see Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And so their parking lot was overrun with cars. So instead of parking in the parking lot, people started parking in the grass field. Oh, well, yeah. what happens? Uh, halfway through Crosby, Stills, and Nash's set they started hearing explosions. And then a tire came flying over the stage and landed next to the audience. And everyone's like, what the fuck just happened? And they ran outside and they saw all their cars exploding because some hippie threw a cigarette or a joint, probably a joint, into the grasslands. The grass caught on fire and all the cars exploded. <laughs> so they took a bulldozer. They buried all the cars on site, so there's a car burial ground. That's crazy. But we gotta 
you gotta go. But what happened? This is what this is when they met their demise. They started getting lawsuits. They got so many lawsuits that the whole project just like fell through the cracks because they were inundated with lawsuits. Um, they were supposed to be like second to uh, what's it called? What's that experimental uh, uh, biosphere two? Yeah. They were supposed to be yeah. comparable to Biosphere 2 in, mm-hmm. in terms of like it's like futuristic, uh, experimental, like civilization type developments. Um, but because of that lawsuit, all their money, from, like proceeds from Arizona State University, uh, uh, um, Northern Arizona University, yeah. uh, NAU, uh, all, those, all that money had to go towards the lawsuits. And so oh. they started making Solari bells. So Paul Solari started making these bells to sell to like actually like, you know, Raise money. Out of the cars, I believe. <gasps> They're out of the recycled metal. Oh, really? Oh! Oh, wow. I, don't don't quote me on that one, but I'm fairly certain. That would be smart, for what? sure. Yeah. But guess what? They just paid off the lawsuit, I think, like two or three years ago. So now they're actually back in business, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Paul, unfortunately, Paul Solari died like I think five years ago. He was a really interesting. So dude, he can't yeah. paint me nude then. Yeah, he's never gonna paint you nude again. Uh, damn it. <laughs> Sorry. See, I thought you were gonna, you were interested because the other way you wanted to paint the nineteen-year-olds, but you well, wanted to be painted. Well, when I'm ninety. Yeah. <laughs> it's not creepy if you're 80, 90. It's, oh. it's creepy right now. Right now. <laughs> I think it's creepy anytime. Um, okay, well, to each his own, I guess. <laughs> so that's very interesting. And yeah, the whole Lincoln Log thing I thought was super interesting, uh, especially knowing the history and with Frank Lloyd Wright and, you know, his son coming up with that and just kind of where where it, it, all, it all started. So it, it created a new generation of... Uh, um, architects, you know. And I was like you. I didn't realize Frank Lloyd Wright was so old that he was born in 1867. Yeah, I, mean, I did not. If his son, yes, yeah, old. if his son, because he has some structures here, right? So he oh must yeah, have, dude, Gamage Auditorium. Yeah. yeah, he must have been building that deep into his 70s and 80s. Totally. Right? And the Frank Lloyd Wright House in North and Scottsdale is like right. a museum now. It's like he had lots. He, in the town I grew up in, Fountain Hills. Justin and I grew up, grew up in Fountain Hills. There were lots oh, of yeah. homes. There's a house five minutes down the road from where I grew up that was. It was one of Frank Lloyd Wright's designs. They designed, yeah. 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 So he must have been working deep into his like old age, yeah. huh? Yeah, totally. Because he didn't 401k it. Yeah. So he had to <laughs> keep working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he needed that, but you know. Uh, I'm just saying. An artist will always be an artist. <laughs> right, right. All right, let's see what else we got. Oh, here, now here's my favorite can I, part. Can I say one more thing on those Lincoln laws? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I, thought, I thought just being a father, maybe for me, but being a father, I, I was so, I was excited to see this son get inspired by his father's work. It made me think, you know, being on quarantine, I've been making a lot of cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> and so my, my, my son comes out the other day and he says, Papa, I made this drink. And I'm like, okay. Oh, no. And so he goes, you know, he took some tea, he took some club soda, he squeezed a couple lemons, <laughs> he put some other juice in there and he was just so proud and he goes, He's like, it's just like your absence. It's like a kid <laughs> version of your absence. <laughs> and I love it. I, I, that is the cutest thing ever. Yeah, that's adorable. Yeah, yeah right. Here's what I'll say about our, <clears throat> our school systems too right now. I think people are learning that there are a lot of things. If, if you're a good parent, you know, and you continue educating your kids, I know that there's online classes, right? And so we're following the, that structure. But if you're spending more time with your kids now, and you're actually teaching them life skills too, 
I think people are going to find out that life skills are just as important, if not more important in some cases, than, than certain subjects, right? Like, for example, I love yeah, history. Really. I didn't need a history teacher to, to talk to me about history. But here's the thing. In life, I've never needed to know history. I happen to know and love history on my own, but I've never needed it, right? There's certain subjects that I think, you know, they grow you as a person. I think it helps you to be educated. But um, I think there's life skills that are not being taught, that are being missed out. And so I think if you're a good yeah. parent right now and you're doing what you love, like you, for example, you know, he, your son could take that into the next level. And, you know, I, we joke right now, obviously, that he's making cocktails. But who knows what creativity is going on in there? Obviously, that's, you know, that creativity is going through that mind. And, you know, I think creativity, drawing, doing any type of artwork, music, uh, expands your mind so much more that if you do it right, when they go back to school, I think they're going to be able to learn, I don't know, quicker. They're going to right. be able to have better ways of learning because they're developing their yeah. minds in a different way where nobody's telling them what to think. So maybe this is a good chance for our, our school systems to kind of catch up and our, our kids to take a break from, from that structured world and then go back and yeah. be a free mind. I don't know. Maybe well, let's, it's me or let's maybe be honest here. Uh, public education is glorified daycare. And I mean, teachers yeah. are teachers are great. I love them. God bless teachers. Um, but at the same time, it's like, are the are kids learning all the things that they need to learn? Uh, I've been I was listening well, to no. It. I mean, oh. there's like 30, 30 some kids in the class. I'm spending an hour and a half of of just one on one with my son, and I guarantee it's equal to, if not more, than what he's learning at school with thirty. You know, three some kids in the class. You can't give the attention. Right, right. right. But then the, on top of that, too, also, man, like, uh, like students are failing their standardized tests in reading comprehension and mathematics. They're not learning these like core principles in the classroom, and it's like they're being neglected. But you know, uh, homeschooling is going to be great for these kids, that, especially like in poorer communities where they can't afford like tutors and things like that so yeah i think we're right now if if the, i think the only two good things that are coming coming out of this apocalypse yeah. <laughs> is uh, uh working remote is legitimized you know employers are no longer going to think that working remotely uh is uh you know akin to laziness and uh i think people are going to start realizing that working remotely is actually something that we want more like it's Think about it too. Like, you're not gonna have to commute as long right. to yeah. your work. Like, people who live in like LA County have to like commute an hour to their crappy job, you know, like polluting the skies with their like you know driving on the freeway in congestion. Like, they're not gonna have to necessarily do that working remotely. And secondly, uh, online education that's gonna be huge. Yeah, it was and already kind of going that way. Right? It was. Lots of universities already adopted online education. ASU started doing online classes like five, ten years ago. Especially it's, basic stuff, things that don't need to be hands-on. Totally. You know, totally. So. I mean, if you're engineering, if you're uh, in automotive school, yes. those all have to be hands-on. Yep. Even at medical education, like nursing, hands-on. Like, they have to have hands-on uh, components through education. But, you know, like reading and writing, that can be done online. Yep. Uh, what else can be done? Like, even mathematics can be done online. Like well, lots of different there's subjects. There's two sides to that coin because I'm, I've both been self-employed working from home for... Uh, over a decade now, and have really enjoyed the uh, what you call daycare 
of the school system. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Having my kids here right now is is both amazing and also, you know what, I I'd love to. Uh, you know, get some stuff done without them, you know, hanging onto my legs and wanting to jump on the trampoline. Yeah, and then imagine those people that can't stay at home and but still have to work. What are they doing now? Yeah. When they don't have school, oh, they yeah. re- relied on school, right? So uh, that's uh, definitely weird and, and tough times, man. Yeah, I but, think we're going to all have to pivot a lot during this whole situation. We'll, yeah. we'll figure it out. Luckily, we can do podcasts, so. Yeah, thank God. And I'm excited for Justin's son's teacher because now he can fix her a drink in the middle of the day. Yes. I think that's one way to get an A. <laughs> there <Yeah>. you go. <laughs> Justin. <laughs> Ma'am, I learned something. Here's, I got a little Capri Sun. A little, take a little orange juice. There you go. Capri little, Sun. Some juice. ice. Some limes. <laughs> that and bottle there, and there you go. drawer that you always take secret sips of. Yeah, yeah. just hand that over. <laughs> I, I got you, Teach. I got you. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Hey Justin, by the way, did uh, did Judah's drink get you drunk? Oh yeah. <laughs> speaking funny. of kids, yeah. Speaking of drunken joy. Great go. segment. So, have you ever seen the movie The Kid? Came out in 1920. Charlie Chaplin. Not, not the movie that came out last year. It was a, a western about Billy the Kid, but the actual uh, Charlie Chaplin 1920 version of The Kid. I never have. Never? No. Me neither. I've heard of it. I, I have heard of it because I'm a fan of Charlie Chaplin. He was kind of the original all-around you know, artist, you know, producer, right. director, actor, everything, right? Huge inspiration to Adolf Hitler. Oh, yeah, that, that, the look, definitely. <laughs> I, I, actually, I saw parts of the kid. Not uh, The one that I really liked, speaking of Hitler, was The Dictator. <sighs> Oh, yes. What that an was, incredible critique. That's another Charlie Chaplin one, right? So good. But that came out in the 1930s. Late 1930s. Uh, yeah. So that was a later on. I think it was yes. 39. Because it was right at the beginning yeah. of World War II. So I don't even think we were in World War II yet. Yeah, but, America. Ju- but uh, Jewish America was very. Uh, they had their finger on the pulse of the Nazi Holocaust. Yes. And being a Jew, uh, uh, Charlie Chaplin and his like you know friends, they all knew what the hell was they going knew on. What was going yeah. on? Yep. Yeah. So that's another good movie. I mean, people don't realize that, you know, when they think of Charlie Chaplin, they think slapstick comedy, right? They think, you know, he, he waddled around, he had a little cane and all that stuff. But in reality, he, his movies are pretty epic. He was so um, sophisticated. What was the other one that was about, uh, like, uh, factory work? Um, I think it was Modern Times. It was something like that. But it was like yeah. Charlie Chaplin's critique of the capitalist system, which, I mean, I'm a capitalist. But I understand the critiques of capitalism, and especially during that time when, like, right. factory work was just so mundane, so redundant, and, like, workers were... There were no, like, limits to your, you know, age-protecting children, right, right. labor laws, and right. all that, yeah. It was just, it, it was just, they were exploiting workers back then, and Charlie Chaplin had a great critique of, you know, the capitalist system, and that was a really, really good movie, and it was funny, too, which he was able to, like, turn things that were very serious and kind of somber topics and make them very funny. Yeah. Which... I think even now, like, I love comedians now because they're making fun of the apocalypse. And it's it's sad time for a lot of people, but there's so much to be... Especially in so, this, like, cancel culture world right now that we live mm-hmm. in where if you say anything, even if it's a joke or... It, and people make mistakes, right? Um, nobody, you know, or there's a lot of people out there who, who won't forgive you or want to blame you uh, for being the bad guy or people want to be the victim. Comedians... Right. 
still kind of live mm. in that world where they're able to speak their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, look at Louis C.K. <laughs> he just made a comeback. He just came out with a new special. He's back now, yeah. And I it's mean, like, but people are like, oh, he needs to like, he can't come back. But it's like, he's done his time, I think. He's yeah. been He's been out of the picture for like almost two years, you know? Yeah. Like, what's, how long is enough, you know? Like, yeah, we need a little bit more redemption. In he, that, I mean, know? he lost millions of dollars. Totally. Right? Yeah. He lost his show. He lost a lot of that traction he had yeah. going on. And so he's now just kind of starting over right uh i'm not saying it's okay for you to pull out your oh no he should have never jerked off in front of those women but at the same time it's like people go to jail yeah and then they get released unless they do something heinous like murder or you know rape but you know it's like how what how long is long enough yes for for doing something at at that level and you got to think you got to take everything in stride right like what did someone do someone said something and people act as if they murdered somebody, totally. right? I think it's different if you say something in, you know, when you're joking around. Plus, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the culture was different, right? Everybody was playing off of whatever was popular at the time. Mm-hmm. So if it was popular popular to think a certain way, you were going to say it, right? If it was funny at that time, you were going right. to say it. Let's just say Eddie Murphy, you know, one of the mo- probably most popular comedians out there, uh, very profitable, huge movie star. In the 80s, when he first started, he was making a lot of jokes about, you know, AIDS and and, yeah. and, and gay people. Now, obviously, he didn't mean it. He, he talks about it. He's like, I have gay friends. But he was making those type of jokes at that time. And nobody cared because at that time, it was popular to talk about those things right. without any repercussions. Now, are mm-hmm. you going to go back 30, 40 years from now right. and say, you know, because at that point, then you're going to call out every single person, including okay. people now that are upset over that. I'm like, those same people, you could go back right. and say you were saying the same things or it, kind of just following the 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 crowd or the right. masses, if you will. You know? who, who was that comedian uh, that got, he was supposed to uh, be the host of the Oscars? Uh, Kevin oh. Hart. Kevin Hart. It's Kevin like, Hart. dude, Kevin Hart, I mean, he's a funny dude. He's super cool. But like, people just wanted to ruin his career and they went and dug through his social media right. history from 10 years ago. It's like he made like an off-color joke. Like, for God's sakes, man. It's so... Yeah, he's like, I'm going to bash my... I w- if I caught my son playing with a dollhouse, I would bash him over the head with it. Like, and then it would laugh. And like, I mean... Yeah, and it's like, it's such a... It's not even... Yeah, it's, it's like that's 10 years ago. And obviously he doesn't mean he's going to bash his son over the yeah. head with a dollhouse. For I, I hope not, right? It's so ridiculous. If he actually did it... That's a that's different a story. Different story. Yes. Different story. Yes. <laughs> it's just like so, and then 10 years, it's like you can't do the Oscars. Right. <laughs> I was like, and then it was, I thought it was funny that they kind of had no one do, host the Oscars <laughs> that year because they're like, no, who are you going to get that hasn't but said yet, something? But yet Weinstein's invited. Yes. Oh, God. But then think about it too. Think about how actually racist it is to like try to ruin Kevin Hart's career. He's like, he's. He's an uh, ethnic minority in the country. Yeah, like, I mean, you're what? right. If you're gonna play that game, you you yeah. right you 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 gotta play it all the way. Yeah, they got double standards. Man. Yeah, double so, standards. Anyways, but, anyways, so um, yeah, the, the, kid, the, the kid, the kid, yeah, 1920, yeah. Charlie Chaplin, <laughs> pro- produced, starred, written, directed. Uh, he did it all. All right, for, for the kid. It was his first, uh, I think it was the first movie he directed, um, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, anyways, if you don't know what the kid is about, go check it out. So you will be surprised at some of the, the talent that came out of, of, of this era. I mean, it really did kickstart the, I know it was silent, the silent era, right? But it did really kickstart Hollywood, you know, because before that it was just theater. 
you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then Charlie Chaplin came out and they said, you can do all that in in uh, on film too. Yeah, actually, you know, the the first movie that uh, Charlie Chaplin did with sound was The Dictator. Or the oh, great, that, is that great the dictator. One? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's well, the first time he ever spoke on camera. Oh, that's pretty very, cool. Very, very wow. cool. Yeah. What What if, like, the first time he spoke, everyone's like, oh, my God, nobody knows. And then he's like, hello. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is that... Hi, guys. How you doing, guys? Um, that does not sound like... What are you talking about? Wait, are you German? Are you Mexican? Are you... I, I, can't, I can't tell. I don't know. What are you talking about? Sorry. I, I don't know how that sounds on the other side. Can you do a really good Mexican voice? Uh... Orale, vato. <laughs> what did he talk like that? He was like, Orale. So my name is Charlie Chaplin, and I'm here to tell you my movies are the best, man. Before this, you could never hear my voice, but now that you can hear my voice, I think you're going to really fall in love with my art. There and you you're go. gonna respect me, man. And then he, he lifts up his shirt and he's got like a tattoo. Oh, like a, dude. <laughs> and just to be clear, it says Mar- Mario is actually Mexican, so it's yeah. not racist for him to do this. No, it's, yeah, it's not. It's totally. not. Um, I love Mexicans. Yes. So me too. He he uh, he has a tattoo. It says Chaplin across his, his, Chaplin, his stomach yeah. and all. And it's all in the. Oh, uh, dude, like gangster old, writing. English, yeah, old English. English. Yeah. yeah, low riders. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin por vida, man. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Everybody's yeah. like, and then we went back to silent. <laughs> he actually, uh, he lowered the standard for, for movies. Yeah. That'd be funny, man. All right, so the next movie we got here that came out in 1920 is The Mark of Zorro, which um, the story of Zorro had been around for a long time. Speaking of, of Mexican culture, right? Zorro was supposed to be uh, kind of a, a folklore hero, like a, a Robin Hood, if you will, in, in California, you know, against the evil uh, Spanish and, you know, them taking over the, the colonias and the different Did he little say towns. Build a wall? Huh? Did he say build a wall? Not Zorro. No, Zorro, the other people. So uh, the, the Spaniards? No. Oh, okay. They did not want to build any walls no, at that no time. Walls. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, they wanted to break the walls down and invade. No! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you guys want smallpox? Here we go. There it is. And so, that, and so the, the, the story of Zorro had been around for a while, but this is the first time in 1920 that the, the Zorro was depicted in a movie. Mm. So in case you didn't know, 1920 was when Zorro uh, first came out in, in theaters. Oh. I'm a little late to the game. I haven't seen it yet, but I can't <laughs> wait. Bro, you, it's yeah. only been out 100 years, man. You think, you, it's a, it? you think it's at the Dollar Movie Theater yet? <laughs> Probably. No, no. I don't know. You think it's on Netflix? <laughs> Maybe it's on Netflix. Netflix should have like a whole series on all these old Disney shows. Disney Plus. Oh, it's on Disney Plus. Let's, let's take a moment here and say, why in the world are all these different companies making their own subscription oh. subscription model? Apple based? TV. It's like, how Disney many t- Plus. how many different companies do I have to subscribe to to see movies now? It's like I thought it was only Netflix and Amazon Prime, so but now it's like. So if you think about it, if you pay for all these individual ones, you're probably paying about the same, if not less, than what you would pay for cable. Right. So I don't know, but you know, you'd have well, to cancel cable. Right. Well, that's the thing. It's like we we were splitting off so that you could be specific, but then everyone got has their one. own stuff, yeah. And then just, so now we're like, can we have one company where we can get all the shows? No, because and they're like, all oh, it, it's all original. Cable. It's all original so, content now. I know. It's so, so annoying, so, man. Yeah, it's so it annoying. Is. It is. It is. I want to see both. Well, them. no, all, all you all you got to do is invite your friends over and have them sign in <laughs> on your TV. So assign and, everybody. And then you just got. <laughs> There you go. You have one friend. Hey, you subscribe to Amazon. Yes. You subscribe to Disney Plus. Yeah. 
Yeah, and et cetera, you get Netflix. Nice. I would, I would love that. Yeah. Gaming the system. Step one, get more yeah. friends. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's the first step. <laughs> oh, it's so hard to do now, though. We're all forced quarantining. I, oh, I know. I can't hang out with anyone except for my dog, my fiance. Oh. Zoom is making the killing, though. Zoom is. Dude, Zoom is behind this pandemic. Yes. (laughs) But they're all like, now it's all coming against them because they, they had, they have a class action lawsuit because they were saying, oh, we're encrypted. And then all those penises got, people started drawing, (laughs) like hacking in and drawing penises. What? On Zoom. Are you serious? So on all people's these little faces? kids, yeah. So like all these big companies Shut have. Up. Uh, no, I'm not kidding. They've they banned it. Like um, dude, um, all things to draw. Elon Musk. Oh. Um. Elon Musk, Tesla has banned them. No um, kidding. They, they don't have any. I mean, it's like it's open season. It's like. I had no idea. Yeah. It's, so they're obviously not encrypted. They're or not, not encrypted well yeah. enough. They're not. So you can't do telehealth anymore. And penis man strikes again. Yeah. Oh, no penis kidding, man. man. Penis always ruins everything. Did, did you guys... Does. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? The penis man? Yeah, yeah. But in Tempe. Yeah. He's He runs around painting penises. Oh, no. Yeah, he actually... He got arrested uh, like two months ago, and he's like, I'm not alone. I'm not the only penis man. There's many of us. <laughs> I, I think he was right, because then they kept... Uh, reappearing. So he's gone. He's gone national now. Oh yeah. Oh, it was national news. Penis man, because he was drawing. He was writing penis man, all over, like on walls in Tempe. Actually, I saw one one wall in Tempe off of Broadway that said penis man. It's the first time I saw it, and then I saw the news article, and it was dude, I was crying laughing. It's so funny. Does he go like detail? No, he just, just like basic. writes penis man. Oh. And I've even seen like just he doesn't like, draw a penis. Uh, I've seen like a Some... couple that were like these very very like. Uh, Mundane, like not mundane, but rudimentary. Yeah. You know, no detail. Like literally, shape, like a like a three year old could have. If there's no shading. If there's, if there's no veins in there. <laughs> no veins, no. Oh, wow. it, it, it's got an art critique. Yeah. Well, but anyway, going, so yeah, that's going back to Zorro. Zorro, speaking, speaking of, of penis, penis man. anyways, Kenai. Yes. You're right. The penis did uh, ruin everything. They Zoom. almost ruined women's right to vote. Yeah. Oh jeez. That was that was all because of penises. Um. All right. So, Zorro. Let's see which other movies we got. We got Ooh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. See, I identify with this a lot because I identify primarily with Mister Hyde. Oh. Now, why is that? I'm just kidding. So, are you, are, is, is uh, Jekyll is um Justin? Well, you know, it's funny. I I, I feel like uh, what I liked about Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde is that you know you got like the upstanding doctor, and then you have like his uh, I would say in a Jungian term. His shadow self, which yeah. is Mr. Hyde, which Mr. Hyde is a pretty horrible guy. Like he was like a you know murderer, rapist, all that. But uh, I feel like uh, behind the veneer of uh, of properness, like being an upstanding citizen, uh, it's it's a it's a mask, not necessarily a mask, because you need that to be able to you know we're a social animal, so we yeah. need to be able to be uh, well behaved, cooperate, work together. But we also need to acknowledge the fact that we deep inside of all of us have a Mr. Hyde, someone who's evil, who's sinister. Uh, True. Yeah, the shadow self. I mean, Dr. Carl Jung talked about that a lot. He's, you know, behind the veneer of every upstanding person, there's the shadow self, which is your deepest, darkest urges. Um, Going back to, like, people like Hitler. Especially Uh, after a couple of drinks of absence. Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, honestly, uh, we share our genetic code. 
like immense amounts of genetic code with the worst people are the Ted Bundys, the Charles Mansons, all these horrible people. Like we actually share a lot of, you know, we share a lot with those people. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, due to whatever circumstance they grew up in, maybe they were like raised poorly. Maybe they were subjected to abuse. Maybe they had like an adverse childhood experience of, you know, like seven plus, which would deem you, uh, like, you would inevitably be in a system, like, uh, institutionalized. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to castigate people who are dark, who are sinful, who are evil, just as, you know, like, an other. Like, we need to understand that that, you know, that those tendencies are within all of us. So, I think Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of portrays that very well. It's like, you got the good side of you and the bad side the of bad you. The bad side, yeah. Um, the, what we all need to do as responsible people is to understand that we have those bad sides and to tame those horrible urges. Ooh, I love yeah. that. So it was always funny to me because um, growing up, trying to understand, like I always had a weird way of thinking of re remembering certain things, right? And so my mind, I think as an artist, I always related, if I needed to remember something, um, I, 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 I connected it to something else. So when, when I heard the story of Dr. Jekyll and, and Mr. Hyde, in my mind, the way that I would have connected who was the good and who was the bad guy was that Jekyll, Dr. Jekyll, now I might be weird, but for me, Jekyll sounds like a bad thing. A Jekyll, you know? It's oh. the, the animal, right? So yeah. I always thought like the, the beast was Dr. Jekyll. Wait, did I flip it around? No, no, I think you're right. You're right. I think Dr. Jekyll is... <laughs> I might have flipped it around. Uh, he's, no, no. he's talking about I'm, the little boy in Mexico. I'm saying for... Yeah. Trying to figure for, this out. Trying to figure it out. Like, I always thought Dr. Jekyll was the bad guy and Mr. Hyde was the good guy because of Mr., right? Yeah. Oh. Uh, there's Mr., you know... I may, I may have misspoken. You might be right. Maybe Dr. Jekyll... No, is, is it? No, I think... No. Let me see. Well, you you let me know. Hey, whatever the case may be, uh, I, I still stand by my word. That, you're uh, right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it still, still, have, it still makes sense. Yeah, one or the, the other. good one and start... No, but I think you're right, and he's talking about how it was switched I, to it, him it was when he it was, was trying to Do, figure Dr. It Jekyll, out. I believe, is the good guy, and, and Mr. Trust me, whoever listens to this show is going to correct us anyway <laughs> on social media. We get scathing but, no, emails. I, I think you're right, though. Dr. Jekyll is the good guy, yeah. so it just confused me because I always assumed that with without reading the story before actually knowing the 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 background of this hmm. uh, movie and story i always assumed that dr jekyll was the bad guy mr hyde was the good hmm. guy but it is it is i believe the way you said it so either right. way you're absolutely 100 percent. i think there's part of us um you know we can go either way mm -hmm. it's just understanding and with that being said too i don't know justin i'll ask you the same question but are you guys into the whole um uh we're talking about serial killers and just understanding of the psychology of all that. Totally. How about you, Justin? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. My mom actually obsesses over it. <laughs> she's written, she's uh, read uh, many books. She took psychology school uh, just to understand more. Um, but yeah, she she really into it. I like. It. I don't think. I think all of America is sort of into just this. interesting. Right. Uh, well. That, uh, true crime, over it right now. true crime, yeah. like podcasts and stories are like very huge. Uh, are huge. Yeah. I mean, I uh, my you know when I was in medical school, uh, my focus was on psychiatry, and that's what I loved the most was uh, disorders of the mind, disorders of perception, um, and also just like disorders of like human behavior, anything that was like anomalous to what was normal, like the norm. Um, I love uh, studying. Uh, well, I don't love studying it. it I just find it fascinating how um, a person can be corrupted by their upbringing. 
sometimes people are just like genetically predisposed to you know uh, being evil uh, psychopathy yeah mm -hmm. um, actually there was a really interesting study done I forget the guy's name but he was like a, a do, uh, he was like a, psych, a psychologist uh, sorry a research PhD doctor who was studying uh, psychopathology yeah and um, he was doing functional MRIs uh, brain imaging uh, studies on uh, psychopaths and they were finding consistently that there was a reduced uh, firing in the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is what governs your behavior, right? You have like your limbic system, which is kind of like your, your sex, your hunger, feeding, uh, like your violent rage. Those your are sort of like just your natural urges, yeah. like your lizard brain, right? Your ca yeah, caveman. I, I like to call it my caveman, caveman side. Brain. Yeah. And we all have that. That's our fucking whatever, Mr. Hyde or Dr. 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 Whichever the one's yeah. the evil one. Yeah. That's our like that's our lizard brain, our caveman yep. brain. It's like you just want immediate satisfaction. You want to eat. You want to fuck. You want to do whatever yep. it is that allows you to like continue to thrive as a species. Right. But thank God, humans have a prefrontal cortex that's really well developed, that's able to govern those instincts and urges. So that it helps us prevent us from doing psychopathic, you know, right. behavior. But uh, this doctor was studying psychopaths, and he was finding that there was reduced firing in the prefrontal cortex across the board in psychopaths, um, to the point where they did a study on his family. This is the ironic twist. They did a study on his family, and they gave him uh, uh, all the his family members, and he was like flipping through them. And all of a sudden, he saw one. And he's like, "Oh my god." There's one here that's like the actual image of a psychopath brain. Like there's oh, no fr no frontal pre uh, uh, frontal pre uh, sorry prefrontal cortex firing at all. He's like, who is this person? Is this a joke? Because he thought one of his grad students yeah. was pulling a joke on him. And he, they're like, no, this is like your family members. It was all anonymous. And he's like, okay, we need to find out who this is because this person shouldn't even be allowed on the streets. Oh my god. And so they went through and they found out all the everyone that they did the studies on in this family, and it turns out that it was actually his study. <gasps> What? So his brain was the brain of a psychopath. And even when he told his wife this, he's like, his wife was like, I, 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 yeah, I knew it all along. Like, yeah, you have these psychopathic oh. tendencies. And um, like he even admitted, like he would go to like funerals and in, he wouldn't cry just because he, out of volition, right. you know, he actually did it out of aesthetic purposes. He knew that it was expected yeah, of yes. him to cry or like oh. to show emotion. So like Dexter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so he had zero emotions, but he knew that aesthetically he had to have those emotions. But the thing about him is that he didn't have an adverse childhood experience. He had a good upbringing. Yeah. He had family members that were there for him when he was younger. He was, you know, he went to good schools, good institutions, and so when he grew up, he wasn't the type of person that would actually act on his, you know, psychopathic his urges. Yeah. But if you have an adverse childhood experience score, I, I think it's seven or more, and these are like. You were abused as a child. You were sexually molested. You had a close relative get killed or just like all these different types of traumatic experiences that you would have as a child. Like you would, especially if you had those, those psychopathic tendencies, tendencies yeah. you would grow up to actually be a psychopath and exhibit those types of tendencies and urges. Um, That's super interesting. I actually, I have a book that I'm going to give you. Um, you ever heard of uh, Dr. Grossman? It's called On, On Combat. No. He's got two books. One's called On Killing and one's called On Combat. I heard about On Killing. So, I heard about that. So, and there was an interview with him with Jocko Willink, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I listened to that. He, he is a, he's a military guy. I actually got to meet him. And That's I got awesome. a few copies of his book. I got two. I'll give you one. But he talks... The one I'm going to give you is On Combat. It's the second version of mm -hmm. On Killing. But he talks about and describes in depth of why, you know... Uh, 
he specifically gets into the the psychology of of uh, soldiers, right, and, right. and veteran service members. Right. And he talks about how people used to kill, uh, or actually not kill in combat because it's not natural, no. right. And so in in civil war, for example, when you go back and you look at uh, the the weapons that were discovered, most of them were discovered with uh, full ammunition. Uh, never been fired, or right. they were fired too high, too low. They didn't actually aim. They didn't right. really want to kill people. It was upfront. It was personal. Only about less than ten percent of the people were actually doing the killing, right. which is why it took so long. These right. battles took so long because only a few percentage were actually doing it, and only one percent, according to him, actually enjoyed it. Right. right? That's where where the this comes from. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's really interesting. I'll give you that on combat. It awesome. describes all that. It's a really cool book. But the reason why I ask you guys, because then I think I'll have you guys back on, obviously for many reasons, you guys are totally awesome. You guys obviously enjoy all the same shit we do. So, but this next one is we have another segment called uh, Dishonorable Mention. Mm. So when Dishonorable Mention, what we talk about is um, serial killers or murderers mm. that were in the military. People Whoa. don't know about... Now, obviously, me and Crystal are, are veterans, and so we, we love and appreciate our service members, but we know mm. there's a lot of fucked up people that were either joined because of those tendencies, mm. or maybe they were exacerbated by being in combat, mm. right? Something happened in combat that, that maybe made this happen. I have a friend... Um, I have a few friends that have personal ties to some of these folks, you know. I mean, people that completely lost it and killed, like, a village of 12, 15 people, you know. And we're not talking Vietnam. We're talking about current era Iraq. Now, some of these folks that we're going to talk about, I picked, um, I think, like, nine or ten different ones. And we'll do nine different segments um, on these different um, uh, serial killers. But wow. some of these are actually pretty famous. So I don't know if you even know the, was it Green River? Um, from I think it's Wisconsin or whatever. He was, was he the dude that he lost it and he like went on a rampage and he was like living in the forest and like using his tactical? I, I believe so. Yeah, he was. Uh, he it was, was like in, a... in, in the navy during Vietnam. So yeah. Oh no, this, I'm thinking about another happened, dude. Well, was... this happened after. So he he got he, he his murders happened after he was in, but he just he happens to be a veteran. Wow. Too. And so there's 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 a few there's quite a few and you'll be surprised how many or maybe not surprised but how many serial killers were actually in the military. Well, Did think you know about Jeffrey the Oklahoma. I was going to say all the Oklahoma City bomber. He was he was in the military. military. He also, failed, like a... he failed out of the military too. Oh really? He was well. He didn't fail. He left under bad circumstances because he couldn't adapt. Mm -hmm. uh, he wanted to. He was actually. Um, he he didn't enjoy what the military brought to him. He wanted more, mm. you know, and there were too many rules apparently. He, <laughs> probably he wanted whites only. Yeah, yeah, that that too. <laughs> um, yeah, that, it, that which, melting that, pot. pot. Pot probably annoyed him. Yeah, that that doesn't help when you're in the military. If There's... you are if you are racist when you join, you will not be, or you will be kicked out because that is the greatest melting pot. It is the greatest equalizer. Yeah. Um, you get to meet all kinds of yeah, cultures. Yeah, your brothers in arms, man. Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody, and so. Um, but there's a lot of famous, you know. I hate you said Jeffrey famous. Dahmer was a Jeffrey Dahmer was in the military. Yeah, oh he, he he got kicked out too for failure to adapt as well. So. When you think about it, some of these folks actually were very successful in the military, and and the other ones because they were able to hide it, and then they came out and they did horrible things. Mm. 
and others just were never able to hide it and were never able to adapt. Wow. So it's 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 a very interesting. So I'd like to have you guys back on for Hell yeah, for that because some of those are going to be super interesting shows. So absolutely. Anyways, um, well, I think that's all we got for today, guys. We uh, we really appreciate you guys, Justin. Thanks for making the the time and getting on the phone with us here. So. I know it's a it's oh, a little absolutely. bit hard. Thank you guys. Yeah, no, I, I know it's tough because you're not out here drinking with us, but you know, <laughs> Justin's uh, got plenty of booze at I, home. I, I, had a, I had a couple myself. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's he good. drank with us. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, Doc, we appreciate you coming and yeah. bringing Dude, my pleasure, man. Anytime, absence and and making this, this really fun, bringing the knowledge too. Anyone who likes booze is a friend of mine. You know? <laughs> so before we go, why don't you let everybody know again, uh, absence minded, where they can find you guys. Right. And support you guys as well. Yeah, please follow us on Instagram um, at absentmindedaz. That's A B S I N T H E minded Az. That's the same uh, handle at Facebook. Our website is www.absentmindedaz.com. Uh, there you can find you know information of where we're located. And even during the apocalypse, despite restaurants and bars being closed, uh, there are bottle shops in Phoenix and in uh, Prescott, Tucson, other areas in, Fe- in Arizona that are still selling our bottles, um, especially in Tempe, Liquor Express, Tops Liquor. Go to our website. You can see all the locations that we're available at, and then give and those give those people give them a call in advance just to make sure that they have our product at hand. Um, and please support local. Um, oh, and one last plug in uh, Adventurous Stills, which is the distillery that we're pr- um, producing out of. They um, pivoted during this apocalypse <laughs> to start producing hand sanitizers. They're selling hand sanitizers um, at uh, 160 proof, 80% ABV, which is uh, uh, in accordance with CDC guidelines for hand sanitizer. Um, they're selling uh, 12 ounce bottles for 10 bucks a pop. Go there, support them. Those guys are awesome, and they need to keep their lights on during these difficult times. They're open on Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah, and super then, important right now too. And Justin, any last words? Oh, thank you. Have a great time. Awesome, dude. Love you guys. Thank you guys for for coming on here. Uh, thank you, Justin. Thank you, Doc. Oh, and for Crystal Green Fairy Reedy, I'm outside the wire of wire. You guys have a great day. Peace. Take care. Thanks, Justin. All right. Bye. Bye. Have you all heard of Valor's Veterans Community AZ? Well, let me tell you about them. They are a 501c3 nonprofit which helps organize social gatherings and volunteer opportunities for veterans and their families. VVC was created in 2018 by our good friend Ro Gonzalez. You may have heard him on this show before. Uh, this guy's awesome, man. He's got the hookup to all sorts of sporting events, movie premieres, and all kinds of cool shit. Bringing like-minded people together not only allows everyone to share resources, but also helps reconnect that bond military members had while they were still in the service. VVCAZ also holds a monthly coffee social the third Saturday of every month where local organizations can share their resources. Their goal is to build Arizona's strongest veteran community by engaging veterans one at a time. Please check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and ValorsVeteransCommunityAZ.org.